0: This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. Anyway, it's great to have you here. It really, really is. And we've got tons to get through today. We've got the brand new issue of Take a Break magazine, which is out, and it's brilliant as it always is. And we're starting out with the groom that went Zoom.
1: Yep, this is one of my stories. So this is by a girl called Stacy. Stacy clattered the dishes into the sink and began scrubbing, stopping from time to time to mop her brow. The kitchen at the Indian restaurant where she worked was always hot, but just recently the atmosphere had become very spicy indeed. It had nothing to do with the curries, however. Instead, it was down to Davinda, the chef. With his dark eyes, he was tastier than a chicken tikka masala with a side order of pompadoms. One day as they were working in the kitchen, she spotted two dough on the worktop. When Davinda turned his back, Stacy hid them. Hey, he said, Where are my balls? Stacy giggled and he raised and she raised her eyebrows, then he grabbed her and began to tickle her. Okay, she squealed, I give in, and when she gazed into his chocolate eyes she really did. They started meeting up after work, and Davinda confessed he had feelings for Stacy too. But before things could go any further there was someone's approval needed. Stacy invited him over to her house and said, ''Davinda, I'd like you to meet my son. Stacy had been bringing up her two-year-old by herself and she made it clear to Davinda that they came as a package. No problem, he said. He's adorable. The pair of them set about making omelettes and she watched, thinking, I found a good one here. They continued to see each other and in time Davinda moved in. He was like any other man she'd ever been out with. He worked so hard in the restaurant and was great with her son, who started calling him Papa. One evening they were cuddling on the sofa when Davinda said, I'd like you to meet my family, in India over Skype. I'd like that, she replied. So that weekend, they set up their laptop and called them. She saw their faces on the screen and Davinda's mum said, Thank you for looking after my son so well. We'd love for you to come here for a holiday. Afterwards, Davinda said, My family adore you. He paused for a moment, then added, And so do I. She was thrilled. A few weeks later, she landed some work teaching music to children in Spain. Singing was her real passion, she was so excited. But the day before she was due to leave, Davinda seemed to be in a strange mood. He couldn't stop fidgeting when she asked him what was the matter. His, her son handed her a jewellery box. She opened it and gasped. Inside was a beautiful gold ring set with 13 diamonds. Davinda took her hand and said, ''Will you be with me for the rest of my life?'' they would only been a couple for a few months, but she knew her answer. ''Yes,'' she said. Stacy was on cloud nine as she rang all her friends and told them. But not everybody shared her happiness. Her best friend said, ''I'm not sure about this, Stacy. What if he's only marrying you to get a passport?'' Don't be daft, Stacy said, Davinda loves me. They started to plan the wedding as money was tight. They opted for a small ceremony at Glasgow Register Office. They were given some legal forms and sat down at the kitchen at the table to fill them out. But halfway through Davinda said, "Stacy, I have something to tell you." Her mouth went dry as he continued, "I came here on a 6-month visa and it's run out." "Why didn't you tell me?" she said. "I was scared it would put you off," he replied. She tried to think clearly. Although Davinda was now in the country legally, she felt sure they could sort things out with the authorities. It'll be fine, I said. Let's book the wedding and I'll make some phone calls. They set the date and then she rang the Home Office and explained Davinda's situation. In the meantime, she continued to plan the wedding and began looking at dresses and also a kilt for Davinda. A month before the wedding, they were invited to an interview with Home Office officials. They were taken to separate rooms and questioned about every detail of their relationship. Stacy answered honestly and then sat and waited for Davinish's interview too. But hours went by, there was no sign of him. Eventually, Stacey's waiting ended when an official appeared, he said. He's given different answers from you. We think you love him, Stacey. The problem is, we don't think that he loves you. Stacey's blood started to boil. Rubbish, she said, with soulmates. But there was even more bad news. Davinda was actually being detained. She went home to Glasgow alone in tears, and she was certain that the authorities had got it all wrong, that Davinda wasn't marrying her just to stay in the country. So she made a decision to fight the detention... "'She hired a solicitor and took their case to London. "'She gave evidence and said to the judge, "'Devinda and I love one another. "'This is a genuine relationship,' the judge believed her. "'Devinda's uncle paid his £5,000 bail, "'and after three long months apart, "'her groom was finally allowed to come home. "'She rang. She flung her arms around him and said, "'You look terrible. "'It's been awful,' he said. "'I've missed you so much.' "'She took him shopping for new clothes and got him a haircut. "'And that evening she cooked his favourite curry. "'Thank you for everything,' Devinda said. "'I love you so much.' Stacy kissed him and said, We'll get this sorted. Next day they rebooked their wedding for two weeks ahead. Her friend made a cake and other pals began on the food for the reception buffet. Then Stacy went into town and chose a beautiful strapless gown. Soon it was just a week before the big day, and Stacy was at home when the phone rang. A woman said, Can I speak to Davinda? Who's calling? she said. I don't want to say, she told her. Stacy thought it was strange, so she said, We're getting married next week, you know. The line went dead. Her mind began to race. Who was this woman and what did she want with her fiancé? When Davinda got home, she said, You are marrying because you love me, aren't you? He sat her down and took hold of her hands. I'm marrying you because I love you, he said. She did her best to forget about the call. She was getting married and it was supposed to be the happiest time of her life. But then one morning, she was in the bedroom when Davinda came in. He looked up and he said, I can't do it. Do what, Stacey asked. He looked at the floor. There was a long silence and then he said, Get married. I don't want to do it. Stacy stared at him in disbelief. What? she gasped. I'm sorry, he mumbled. Then he began stuffing his clothes into a suitcase. Stacy burst into tears. But I don't understand, she said. We love each other. Davinda wouldn't look at her. Instead, he snapped the suitcase shut and left. Stacy lay on their bed and sobbed. Then she thought, It's probably just pre wedding jitters. He'll be back. But a day went by, then another, and Davinda did not come back. Stacey rang everybody that she could think of and also put a message on Facebook, but no one had seen Davinda. If it was if he just disappeared into air. The day before the wedding, she finally had to face facts. She put her wedding dress away and then took a deep breath, lifted the phone and began calling family and friends. She said, ''The wedding's off, Davinda's left me.'' Some people were sympathetic, but others said, ''Told you he just wanted a passport.'' Stacey's not sure if that's true. She feels she doesn't know anything anymore. She loved Davinda with all her heart and she truly believed he loved her. But she was wrong, wasn't she? And that's it. Oh, Donna.
0: I know. such a sad, sad story, isn't it?
1: Because you don't really know what, what, what he was thinking or what actually happened because it seems like he really liked her, but then... Well, this is something. the thing.
0: Surely if he wanted a passport, yeah. would he not have married her? Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't make sense, does it, at all? So it sounds more to me, I could be wrong, but it sounds more to me, especially with this other phone call that mm. he's maybe got another lady.
1: That's what yeah, that's what I suspected, to be honest. And yeah. it was a little lady back back from where he's from. So it does does kind of sound a bit like that, doesn't it? Possibly. I oh know. what a sad I sad, know. sad story. Do you know Stay something?
0: Soon. I always think that when people go through really, really tough times like that, then, mm-hmm. you know, something has to come round. Something it has does. to come round and, and make them happy again. Exactly. So i sure she'll, she'll meet, meet someone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> hopefully.
0: Listen, we'll move on to our next story now. And uh, <laughs> is it Meow you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is the one. So this is a lovely story, and it's by a lady called Michelle. Michelle sat on the sofa and said to the figure beside her, there's someone special I'd like you to meet. He padded over and peered at the bundle in her arms. Then he began to purr. It was her cat Phoenix's way of saying he approved of her new baby Ronnie. In fact, he did more than just approve of him. Over the next few months, Phoenix devoted himself to Ronnie. He'd follow him around and sit beneath Ronnie's Moses basket as though he was guarding the crown jewels. When Ronnie grew into a toddler, the love was returned. Ronnie would stroke Phoenix on his knee and cuddle him gently. Michelle's fiancée, Jane, had adopted Phoenix from the charity Cat's Protection after he'd been brought in as a stray. He had one damaged ear, which put a lot of people off, but they thought it made him look unique. In time, Michelle had another son, Reggie. Ronnie loved being a big brother, and every night before bed he kissed Reggie on the head and said, "'Love you.' However, not even a baby brother could take the place of his best pal, Phoenix. But Phoenix had a secret life that none of us, not even Ronnie, knew about.' Every so often he'd go off exploring and sometimes he wouldn't come home for days. They never worried about him. They knew that eventually his furry face would appear at the door and he'd dash inside to see Ronnie. But one day Phoenix went out and didn't come home. A week later there was still no sign of him. Ronnie was beside himself with worry. So they made posters with Phoenix's face on and the word missing and put them up around the area. When that didn't work, Michelle went on Facebook and posted messages Weemild Jay, her fiancé, contacted all the local vets and scoured the streets looking for him. After three weeks, Ronnie said, I miss Phoenix, Mummy. I'm sad. Michelle put on a brave face and said, He's just gone for a walk. But she couldn't pretend forever. Next day, she sat both boys down and said, We can't find Phoenix. We're not sure when he'll come home. At two, Reggie was too young to understand. But Ronnie, who was now five, began to sob. Michelle hugged him and said, It will be okay. But she didn't know if that was true. That weekend, Ronnie drew his own poster of Phoenix. He held it up to Michelle and said, Do you think that we'll ever see him again? I hope so, Michelle said. Time passed and they moved to a new house. But Ronnie didn't forget Phoenix. One day he was colouring in another picture of him and he said, Will Phoenix know we've moved? I'm sure he will, Michelle replied. But when she looked at the picture, her heart sank. Ronnie had written, Come home, Phoenix, we miss you. Months went by and then the former next-door neighbour rang. ''I think we've got Phoenix,'' she said. ''Really?'' Michelle asked. She drove to her house, but although she found a ginger tabby, it didn't have Phoenix's distinctive wonky ear. ''It's not him,'' she said. Michelle was sad, but it gave her an idea. When she got home, she said to Jay, ''Shall we get another cat?'' He thought about it, and eventually he agreed. So one evening she said to the boys, ''We're going to get you a new cat.'' Ronnie's face fell. ''But what about Phoenix, Mummy?'' he asked. ''He won't mind,'' she said. They visited the cat's protection website and spotted a gorgeous kitten called Orlando. And Michelle ran the charity and arranged to visit. When they arrived, they were shown into a room full of cats in enclosures and taken to Orlando. Ronnie and Reggie were on their tiptoes trying to see him. Then all of a sudden, Michelle heard a cry. She wheeled round and saw Ronnie with his mouth open pointing to the enclosure next to Orlando's. He shouted, Phoenix! She followed his gaze and saw a ginger tabby cat staring back. It had been 18 months since Phoenix had vanished, and she thought, it can't really be him. But Ronnie insisted. It's Phoenix, Mummy, he said. I know it's him. The vet told them that the ginger tom had been found as a stray two months earlier. As he was micro staff had been able to trace the address of his owners, but they'd moved. We've recently moved house, I said. I'm still not certain it's him, though. But I knew how to find out for sure. I told the vet, and he opened the cat's enclosure and lifted him out. and Then he passed him to Ronnie. The cat sniffed him and then began to nuzzle his neck, purring. Ronnie promptly burst into tears. Yes, I said, that's our phoenix. Ronnie gazed up at me, his eyes glistening. Can he come home, mummy, he said. Of course he Sam, Michelle said. And then a thought struck Michelle, she said. It's his 11th birthday today. Sadly, they weren't allowed to adopt Orlando because he had serious health problems. Instead, Ronnie said, I want to give Orlando my pocket money. So Michelle donated £5 and Orlando was treated to a special breakfast. Back at home, Ronnie and Reggie made birthday cards for Phoenix and they settled back into family life. The vet warned it might take Phoenix time to readjust, but on the very first night he slipped under the boys' bunk beds and he's done the same every night since. He's delighted to be home and Michelle's boys are thrilled to have him back where he belongs.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I know. Do you know something?
0: My, I I nearly, honestly, I could feel myself welling up. I know. As uh, I just (laughs) thought of this wee boy seeing these cats. I know. You know the way when you when you're hearing a story and you think I really hope it ends up this way yeah, and then no, it does. Oh,
1: no. ah, it's brilliant. The little boy's so cute. He's literally got a bright red face and tears streaming down oh. his face when he sees
0: the car. It's so oh, it's so cute. <laughs> How gorgeous. I know. Oh, and what a lovely way to end uh, the feature <laughs> today. It's such a nice story. It, really, it is a really nice is.
1: story. Yeah.
0: Well Donna thank you so much for taking us through these lovely stories and uh, I loved your story I have to say Um, so well well written and uh, obviously if anybody wants to get a copy of this week's Take a Break magazine you can go out and get it now it's on the shelves of your news agents and supermarkets and so on and so forth you can also take a look at the fully accessible website as well have you got the web address?
1: I sure have. It's www.takeabreak.co.uk.
0: Donna Smiley, feature writer from Take a Break magazine, thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Lunch today. We'll speak to you again soon. take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out InsightRadio.co.uk.